Hey everyone, I'm Ryan Kalamea. And I'm Amy Gosha. Welcome to The Divorce at Altitude, a podcast on Colorado family law. Divorce is not easy. It really sucks. Trust me, I know. Besides being an experienced divorce attorney, I'm also a divorce client. Whether you are someone considering divorce or a fellow family law attorney, listen in for weekly tips and insight into topics related to divorce, co-parenting, and separation in Colorado. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce at Altitude. I'm Ryan Calamea, one of your co-hosts. We have a couple of announcements that we're excited to make. The first is that we, in addition to our Thursday discussions that are range between 30 and 45 minutes and between Amy and me or with guests. We're also going to be releasing on Mondays little how-to episodes that are going to range from one to three minutes, and they're going to focus on specific issues and explain them related to a Colorado divorce. So for example, the first episode is going to be how to actually file for divorce, the documents involved. Then we move on to the automatic injunction and explain what that is. Discovery, so the difference between an interrogatory and a request for production, expert witnesses, temporary orders. We're going to get into all of that. It's intended as educational purposes, not legal advice, but we hope that it is accessible and helpful for those that may have questions about a Colorado divorce. The second change is that this week is going to be a discussion just between me and another lawyer, a Texas family law attorney in Houston, Brian Walters. It's in connection with the Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction and Enforcement Act. You'll hear Brian and me refer to that as the UCCJEA, which is the acronym. I want to give a kind of a, a disclaimer here. The UCCJEA is really complex, and there is another issue in terms of international parenting or jurisdiction issues regarding custody. We're just scratching the surface, but we hope it's helpful. And without further ado, Brian, why don't you introduce yourself and to our listeners at Divorce at Altitude? Yeah, I'm Brian Walters. I'm an attorney here in Texas. I also have a podcast called Texas Family Law Podcast. I'm one of the partners in Walters Gilbreth, which is a firm with offices in Houston, Dallas, and Austin, one of the largest family law firms in the state here to talk about the UCCJEA with you. Yeah, so what we thought was sometimes as Brian, you know, you and I will interact not specifically on on any cases in the past, but oftentimes cases will come up where two attorneys from different states will work together. So I thought for listeners of Divorce at Altitude know we have a hypothetical divorce client Eric Wolf and Melanie. So in order to kind of provide some context, one situation that is not uncommon might be Eric Wolf and Melanie live in Houston, Texas, and Eric is an oil executive or executive for an energy company, and they frequently go back and forth between Aspen and Houston, and they have a house in Aspen, and Melanie and Eric decide that they want to get a separation. So Melanie comes to Aspen with the kids, stays there, and 30 days later, decides that she wants to file for divorce. So, Brian, in your, have you ever had a case similar to that? Or what, what would be if Eric came into your office in Houston, Texas, and he's been served papers with a Colorado divorce, what are the things that you're going to talk with Eric Wolf about in that context? Yeah, good question. A divorce is, is three things, which is a change in status if you're no longer divorced in then there's the property division or alimony type issues, and then there's kids if you've got them. So 
The UCCJEA, of course, deals with children. And so there is a rule, there is a law, uh, the UCCJEA, Uniform Child Custody Jurisdiction Enforcement Act, which addresses this because it's a, it is a common problem, and I think probably even more so these days. Um, and it's the idea is that all 50 states, although one of them didn't pass it, uh, would have the same rules for determining where the case would be and what court would have jurisdiction or control over the children in the case. And fortunately, Texas and Colorado are two of the states, and everybody in Massachusetts is a state that has those same rules. That doesn't determine who's going to get custody or what child support is going to be, but it determines what court is going to make those decisions. And there can be big differences between different states on how they deal with those things. So that'd be where I'd start my conversation about, well, here's what Texas would do. Now let's think about what Colorado would do. And I would probably tell him to call an attorney like yourself because I'm not a Colorado attorney and I couldn't tell him. Right. So if Eric were to give me a call, at least here in Colorado, the first step in in analysis is deciding at least if the divorce is going to happen here in Colorado. And we have had those occasions where there's kind of a jurisdictional battle. I'm sure, Brian, you've gotten called where people are trying to figure out and forum. That's one of the issues that is domiciled for at least 90 days in order for the court to have subject matter jurisdiction over the divorce. But the UCCJEA is going to be a little bit different because it's not necessarily subject matter dependent. It's about figuring out what the best forum to decide the child-related issues. So that it's delineating between the divorce and the parenting issues. Why don't you give us an idea of why is there even this thing called the UCCJEA? So this is a common more common problem, which is that parents might not live together as a nuclear family with the kids in one place. Um, I'm a military brat, so I'm used to moving around as a kid. And, or, or there might be a situation where the parents just moved to a new state and they suddenly suddenly break up. But there were these disputes increasingly as our society became more mobile, and we see it now today, where there would be a battle between Colorado versus Texas. Uh, dad, In this case, dad would want the Texas to make the decision about the kids, and mom would probably want Colorado to do so. And there wasn't a mechanism to determine where those decisions should be made. We now have that, which is what the UCCJEA is solving, is a set, a bunch of rules to determine once and for all where this case is going to be handled as far as the kids go. Right. And at least from my perspective in Colorado, there is two primary issues that are related to this particular issue. The first is that original determination of jurisdiction. And then the second is the enforcement. We're going to cover both of those. But, you know, it's not to have the forum shopping. It's not to have to ameliorate the issues on, you know, the Texas court says dad or Eric gets, you know, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then Colorado says, well, you know, Melanie gets Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and to have one place deal with it. So for people that don't know, what, how do you determine the initial, what, what goes into the initial determination of parenting issue under the UCCJEA? Right. So the, the key factor is where have the kids been living? especially uh, in particular over the past six months. And there's there's some quirks about it, but that's the general rule is if the kids have been six months or more in Colorado or Texas or wherever the case is, that's usually for an original case, for the first time you ever go to court about these children, 
that's where the case is going to be. And for 98% or 99% of all people um, who have child custody disputes, that's not a real question. They've just, they've been in Texas or maybe they moved or maybe they're separated, but they've been separated for a long period of time. But that can, you know, there are certain cases where that does come up and, and there's a mechanism to resolve that. Right. So in, in our hypothetical where Melanie moves from, from Houston to Colorado for 30 days, first of all, the, the court, Colorado court would likely say there's no divorce here. We do not have, there hasn't been domiciliary. Domiciliary, it's one of those antiquated legal issues where that's where you call home. Frequently, it's kind of a challenge, especially with people like Eric and Melanie, where they, they might have multiple homes, but it's like when you, you know, what do you really call home? You, you're a Texan. I'm, you know, a diehard Coloradan. That's where we call home. And we might have kind of vacation homes or other places in Eric and Melanie. But first of all, the divorce is not going to happen in Colorado. But then in that circumstance, the court might say in Colorado, well, they've been here for maybe not six months. And I might call up someone like you and say, hey, where is the home state in that circumstance? And we can work together to do what between the courts? Right. We two good, honest lawyers should be able to figure that out and, and save the clients having to have a a real drag, knockdown drag out about that, but things can be ambiguous. Um, but usually uh, in that situation, uh, we look at it and say, well, this case, as far as the kids go, belongs in Texas and let's not waste anybody's time and money trying to pretend like it belongs in, in Colorado under those set of circumstances. I think there's a, there can be a lot of gray areas and Aspen's actually a good example because I'm sure Aspen is full of uh, Texans, especially in the summer. <laughs> it's uh, Houston is not not the uh, first choice of many people to be in this summer, myself included. Um, and so maybe, for example, if we take that scenario and um, mom went up there with the kids for the summer, you know, went up there in late May and, and usually came back at the end of August. Well, you know, maybe because of COVID, there was not a need to come back to Texas for schools. And uh, or maybe she just said, that, you know, let's try a semester up here with the kids and see how it goes. And then, and then we might be arguing about whether that three months in the summer was a change in domicile or whether that was just a visit a summer that they spend every summer in Aspen. And that, so there, it can be a little more complicated than it looks, but it's usually for most cases, it should be pretty clear to figure that out. Right. And, you know, it's that initial determination where you and I can work together between the Texas and Colorado courts, and they can actually, they can have a conference call where the judge from one state to the other will will call and say, hey, do you want this case? And they'll, you know, do you want to walk us through what that would look like if there was a dispute on where exactly the home state was? Yes, I've I've been involved in a bunch of those. And um, in that case, then both sides are going to file uh, sworn statements um, that are going to say, here's where the kids were during these times. And again, it's usually pretty clear, but sometimes it isn't. And then the judges will take that those statements and with the lawyers present, will call the other judge and, and basically talk it through. And it's interesting. I've never seen, in all those cases, I've never seen the judges disagree about the outcome. There is a mechanism, if there is a disagreement, that one of the judges gets to gets to figure that out. Basically, the, the first filed one gets to figure out where the, the case is going to be. But they've always come to agreement ultimately on it. And that's that's good. It's a good sign. I'm, I'm glad we haven't had conflicts between different uh, different jurisdictions. Yeah, we've worked on California. There's certainly is a 
a strong connection between California and Colorado. So we've dealt with a, a number of cases with California. I mean, Texas, as you said, there are a lot of people in particular over the last year with kind of the, the impact of COVID. There have been a lot of people that have you know relocated from Texas to, to at the Aspen area. But at least in my experience, the judges, they don't often have the attorneys on the the call. It has to be recorded. And the reason that we can talk about these things, Brian, you would agree, is the UCCJEA, it's going to be the same in Texas as it is in Colorado. And as you noted, it's been, it's everywhere. It's the same everywhere except for Massachusetts and Puerto Rico, but it's even in Guam and and the U.S. Virgin Islands. But we can talk about these things, whereas custody, we're not talking about the same thing. Your judge in Houston or your judges in Houston are going to look at custody determination differently than a judge in, in Colorado, but it's the analysis to even get what court is going to decide. That's going to be the same. Correct. And and I have had cases where we could have fought this out about jurisdiction and we we kind of talked to the other state, and again, Colorado, California, those are probably our two common states for this. And we determined that the outcome was going to be the same in either place, have that battle. But you're right, it is important to figure out where that's going to take place if there is going to be a conflict. So once that determination is made, then that one court, whether it be or Colorado or California or Texas, then that judge is, is going to make the decision. And then that court is the home state or that place is the home state. So for the situation where, let's say two years goes by and the Texas court has made a determination that Eric is, you know, that that's the custody arrangement in Texas. And then Melanie at that point decides to move to Aspen. What change or what are you going to tell Eric in terms of, hey, you might need to do something in Colorado and hire a Colorado lawyer? What? How does that work? Right. So once this initial determination is made, the first time there's a final order for a child, that's usually a divorce, but it could be you know, just a regular custody case. Once that happens, then there's a separate set of rules to determine if, if the case is reopened in the future call a modification if that happens. And I I guess I characterize the law as saying it's kind of sticky. In other words, it, once there's a Texas order, for example, it they'd like to keep it in Texas. And and there are ways to move it. In this case, the easiest one is if nobody lives in Texas anymore. If everybody's moved to Colorado for whatever reason, then if there's ever a modification, it's for sure going to be in Colorado. The alternative is, is let's say that in that the case was in Texas, Melanie got custody, and Melanie got the right to move to wherever she wanted to, let's say, after a year or two, and she did, and she moved to Aspen. After the kids had been there for, again, for six months, she could file, and she would have to file in Texas to do this if the husband stayed in Texas, let's assume that. But she could ask the court in Texas, hey, can you release this case to Colorado? The reason being, hey, we're there, the kids schools are there, the kids' friends are there, the doctors are there, whatever, that this is a custody, child custody case. Yeah, dad's still in Houston, but this is about the kids. And the most convenient place to get that information about the kids is in Colorado. And there's not a, there's not a set rule like, hey, the kids, are, if they've been two years in Colorado, we have to send the case to Colorado. There's a series of factors. It's a lot of common sense. And and um, so that that's the basic structure of how a court would deal with a modification like that. Right. So the, you would have the, the modification, which is different than enforcement. We'll get to enforcement uh, next. But I always counsel my clients that 
you know, it really depends in terms of how long you've been there and the connection that you have. If there's been a relocation and, you know, six months goes by, the judge, especially if there's if it's litigated and the judge and there's an evaluation that has been done in the original home state, that judge is going to have some institutional knowledge and is probably going to be pretty reluctant. But if five years goes by and the, and the people have, the parents have settled their disputes and there's really no institutional knowledge by that judge or the judge has retired or some other circumstances, you know, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, the judge is going to, the judges are going to take into consideration, you know, what, how long they've been in school and where the evidence is going to come from if there is a um, modification. But, you know, going back to the enforcement, you know, I always, with clients, I, I had a client that relocated to Austin, Texas. And, you know, so you can have the Colorado uh, agreement or the order on custody registered for enforcement in Austin. Why would that be important, uh, Brian? What what are the circumstances that becomes an issue is that enforcement mechanism? And we'll we'll talk about the differences between the modification, but why in the first place? Why why would we care? For enforcement in Texas and I assume in Colorado as well, which is that there are very serious penalties, including going to jail if you're if you are found to have violated a court order, including a like a possession order, like not returning the kids. So we have to have these very high standards of proof and, and care before we throw someone in jail, obviously. So the court's going to want to see a registration, which is a formal filing of the official court order. And that kind of brings the case to that area. And then from there, you can file this enforcement to punish somebody for violating a court order if that's if that's what's called for. Right. So... An example is my client in, in Austin, I would call you and your, your firm up, and then you would just simply register the Colorado agreement, the parenting plan. And if there was a dispute on a weekend or some sort of circumstance of my client in Austin, then, you know, then they can enforce it and they whether it's call the police or, you know, which is a different legal mechanism, but it's then they at least have a Texas order saying you have to complete the Colorado order. And if you don't, then you could go to jail or. That, that is correct. And um, so that's a, that's something that's required. And one other thing you might want to point out is that this is, this does not necessarily involve child support. That is a different rule. People to get confused in this conversation about, Hey, I want to raise dad's child support. How do I do that? It's a different different set of rules. Totally. And then the kidnapping, I mean, there's also a whole nother yeah. uh, law. And it, the, the history of how we kind of got here originated out of these concerns, and they've gone off onto different kind of branches. Um, but specifically with the UCCJEA, you know, that is something where, you know, attorneys from Texas and Colorado are frequently working together to help make sure that one court and, you know, understands what is all going on with the, the parenting. Well, th- thanks, Brian. Appreciate the time. Nice to, to meet you. Okay. Thank you very much. Have a, have a good day. Yep. See you, Brian. Hey everyone, this is Ryan again. Thank you for joining us on Divorce at Altitude. If you found our tips, insight, or discussion helpful, please tell a friend about this podcast. For show notes, additional resources, or links mentioned on today's episode, visit divorceataltitude.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen in. Many of our episodes are also posted on YouTube. You can also find Amy and me at calamea.law 
or 970-315-2365. That's K-A-L-A-M-A-Y-A dot law.